Yo, what's up? It's your boy, Aries Spears here, and I'm chilling with my man, Elias, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, baby. Welcome to another episode of the Man Cave Chronicles. Welcome to the party, pal. You're my boy, boo. Yo, Adrian. I A podcast with interviews of amazing guests from the world of pop culture. Oh, yeah. TV. Nice. Movies. Oh, I love the movies. Comedy and more. From deep inside the Man Cave, your host, Elias. Aries, welcome to the cave. Yo, what's up, baby? How are you, man? What's new with you? Uh, you talk. I, I'm welcome. You're welcoming welcoming me to the cave as I'm talking to you from my cave. I'm in my man cave. There you go, man. There you go. How's that? How's that quarantine life treated you all this time? It's kicking me in the nuts as well as the wallet. Uh, but you know that's what vodka and weed is for. <laughs> that's right. That's right, man. So yeah, man, you've been busy, man. Everybody knows you from the comedy world, Mad TV, a few films, and uh, of course your podcast, man. You're a busy person. I got to, brother. I got two baby mothers, and these bitches is in my pockets. One is the government, and the other's the mafia. <laughs> right, man. How do you uh, do? You sleep at all, or what? I try to, uh, <clears throat> but again, that's what weed and vodka is for. <laughs> so for the listeners, man, let's get to know a little bit more about you. Where are you originally from? Uh, from New York, man. I, I, I grew up in New York and New Jersey. Wow. How was it uh, as a kid growing up there, man? What were you into? Uh, how was it? And uh, how did you know? At what age did you know you wanted to get into the comedy world? Well, no, baby, man. I was born in 75, so I was an 80s baby. Uh, and, you know, I grew up in a time before cell phones when, you know, kids actually went outside and played and went in the woods and, uh, you know, at 12 and 13 years old, tried to fuck girls in the neighborhood and the local laundromats. So uh, I had a great childhood compared to these Pokemon-ass kids today. <laughs> you're, you're only two years older than me, so I know all about that, no cell phone. It was more fun at that yeah, time man. than it is now. Yeah, we took risks. That's right, that's right. So how old were you when you kind of had an idea you wanted to get into the comedy world? Uh, you know, I actually started, man, when I was 14 years old. I mean, I had always, I was a latchkey kid coming up. So, you know, my mother worked two jobs, single parent household. So me and my sister, you know, when we would come home from school, we would just, you know, pro uh, plop down in front of the TV and watch hours of television. So that kind of got me started early. But I officially started doing stand-up when I was 14. Ended up doing Deaf Comedy Jam at 16, Showtime at the Apollo at 17, and the rest, as they say, has been history. Wow. How was it like your first time being on stage at 14? What did that feel like? Uh, you know, it was scary. Uh, it still is scary, even though I'm 30 years into it now. But, uh, you know, when you know what you want to do and you focused on what you want to do, uh, the fear goes away as soon as you hear your first laugh. I always tell people, you know, they always ask me, hey, man, you still get nervous even 30 years in? And I'm like, man, I'm always nervous because, you know, you never every, every show is you never know what to expect. But I always look at it like basketball, man. Once you drop your first two or three jumpers, then you just relax and you get into your rhythm. Uh, is there any like any rituals that you do before you get on stage? Anything to prepare? No, not really. I mean, I just listen to music. I zone out and put my earbuds in and listen to music and just zone out. So when you first got into the comedy world, like who were like some of the comedians that have pushed you into this more? Like who did you look up to? <laughs> uh, you know, again, I'm an '80s baby, so you know, of course, I did my homework about Richard Pryor. 
But, you know, Eddie Murphy was really my guy. You know, watching him on SNL was so fucking huge and inspiring. And because he did impressions and I, I did impressions. And so I just took all of that and used it as motivation. And, you know, we both astrological sign. We both Aries. We have the same birthday, April 3rd. So I just took all that as motivation, man, and decided to start early. You mentioned impressions. What was the first impression that you learned how to do? Um, you know, my mother's a jazz and blues singer. So uh, I listened to a lot of jazz coming up. And uh, I always knew that when her and my father were fucking, they would play Louis Armstrong. So I would hear a lot of Louis Atmo, and that was the first one. Wow. Wow. And from there, you just kept going with them. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, eventually Bill Cosby and James Brown and Eddie Murphy and stuff like that. Yeah. What's, which one's been your favorite that you love doing? You know, it's always when it's something new because it's like a, a, a shiny new toy. You know, you can't play with it enough uh, until it starts to get old to you. But, you know, I really love doing Paul Mooney because it presents the challenge of not just being able to do the voice, but I think if, you know, when you look at Eddie Murphy, who's to me one of the best, if not the best, impressionist to ever live, it wasn't just what he did with the voice. It's what he did with the personality, the material. When you looked at Delirious, he said things that you would go, those guys would say that. So it presents another challenge to not just do the voice of Paul Mooney, but whatever it is I say material-wise, you go, that's his train of thought. That's what Paul Mooney would say. How do you like so how do you like when you start doing the impressions like every like is it when you're watching something you're like oh i want to try to do him next is like how do you like, it's like it's, it's, it, i always tell people it's like music you know everybody people that are musically inclined and are, and are talented they have an ear for tone inflection rhythm uh everybody's voice is a tone it's a note so if you can hit that note then you can sing that song mm. that's just the way to say that so yeah, but so in '97 you joined Mad TV. How did you get involved with the with the show? And like, and back then, you know, you didn't have, you had Mad TV, but you also had SNL happening too. Yeah, I mean, you know, listen. I, if I'm being honest, if the phone call would have came at the same time and said choose between Mad TV and SNL, obviously I would have picked SNL. Uh, matter of fact, I think my career would be a lot different than it is right now, given the uh, the popularity and the magnitude of that show. Um, but that's not how it went. Uh, I ended up getting on Mad TV, but and I'm grateful for that uh, because it definitely raised my popularity and my stature and put some money in my pocket. So, uh, the, the, you know, I, I gained from Mad TV. But if again, if I'm being honest, you know, one is the NFL and the other is the CFL. Did you get a chance to try out for the for SNL? Did you have? No, I never did. No, I never did. Uh, I would have liked to, but it just never worked out that way. So how did you get involved with Mad TV? Did you have an audition for that? Or did somebody like saw you doing impressions on stage and that was next? You know, when I was once upon a time ago, they don't do it anymore, but once upon a time ago, you know, I kind of hit that sweet spot in show business where they used to give people what was called holding deals. So if they liked you and a network felt like they wanted to deal with you or create a show for you, they would basically toss you a boatload of money to lock you up for a whole year. And when I had come to town, uh, word had spread pretty quickly about this hot young kid in town who's very talented. So I just basically went from network to network with year holding deals. So after being with every network for a year and nothing ever coming to fruition, 
my last deal happened to be with Fox. And before I got with Fox, I had auditioned for Mad TV and they wanted me then, but I was locked into a television commitment for a pilot, so I couldn't do it. So as fate would have it, uh, by the time I ended up at Fox, Mad TV was in its third season and the president of the network back then, Peter Chernin, was like, I'm such a huge fan of this guy. Even though we didn't develop his own show, I want him on my network. So they basically put me on Mad TV season three. How would you describe your time on the show? And you also wrote for them too, right? No, I didn't really write for them. Uh, I had a writer who I would work with from time to time. Uh, but no, I never really wrote anything per se. What was your favorite skit that sticks out to this day the most? Uh, one of my favorite skits is uh, The Lost Wizard of Oz, uh, where we basically did some footage of a scene that was cut from the movie where there was an additional character that Dorothy had come into contact with on her way to Oz, which was Jasper, the one-legged slave. Uh, so I, I never eventually went on to go see the wizard, but I did end up fucking Dorothy in the bushes. I remember that. That's all right. So on the show, uh, all those years, like who was like one that ca one cast member that you, you always enjoyed working with that you couldn't wait to, to perform with? Uh, you know, there was actually actually three. Uh, Will Sasso, Deborah Wilson, and Mo Collins. All three are funny. Will Sasso. Oh, just, yeah, Will Sasso's great. Yeah, Will, and it's crazy because Will, Will's not a stand-up comedian. And for a guy that's not a stand-up comedian or didn't have a background in stand-up, I mean, in, in comedy troops like Acme or uh, what's the one famous one in Chicago? Uh, shit. I forget the name, but Groundlings, the Groundlings. Groundlings um, yeah. For a guy that didn't have a background in, 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 in comedy troops, uh, improvised troops, or stand-up, Will was just naturally an animal. Uh, so, all, you know, just nothing but respect for Will. And Mo Collins, same thing. Deborah Wilson, same thing. I think that entire cast from season three till about season six was just phenomenal. So you also, uh, when I was doing some research on you, you just had a new station that uh, started at Pandora? Uh, well, I had, like, I think it was 30 million spins on Pandora. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How is that, you know, how does that, like, uh, how, does, how did that all work out? I don't know, brother. It's, it was news to me when my agents and my publicist pointed it out. So whatever that means, I'll take it. So you have also have a podcast, but uh, you and uh, Andy Steinberg. Like, how did you get involved with that? Whose idea was it? Uh, well, Andy's actually my, my feature comedian who opens up for me on the road. He actually brought it to me because he was doing a podcast on his own, and he was finally like, dude, we should just do one together. And I had always wanted to do one, but I was always a little apprehensive just because, you know, that just is another form of entertainment that I didn't think I was particularly good at or interested in. But I figured he and I talked so much shit on the road, I was like, let's just record it and see what happens. So, it's, yeah, it's called Spears and Steinberg. Uh, it's available on all streaming platforms, Google, Apple Play, Apple Apple Plays, Apple Play, Apple Play, Spotify. And, or you could, I tell people, you know what, just hit me up in Instagram, DM me, and I'll send you the links to the podcast personally. That's great. 
So now, uh, you know, with the whole quarantine and everything, things have just started opening up a little bit. You know, what do you think about the whole comedy world? I did see that you have starting to tour soon. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's touch and go, man, because, you know, I, I, I pretty much work the whole year round, week to week, month to month, with very little open slots to, you know, relax. But because of this situation, gigs are either being flat out canceled or rescheduled. So, you know, it's kind of killing morale a little bit. Uh, it's, it's, it's surreal to perform in a place like the Houston Improv, which normally I sell out at 500 people. But then, you know, they, because of max capacity, they can only do half of that. And on top of half of that, we're talking about 250 people spread out in a room that holds 500. So it's weird, man. It's just, it's just in between, and you know, it's, it's, it's affecting uh, my financial bottom line. It's just, it's, it's fucked up. It's really throwing a monkey wrench into the program. What's your, you've been touring for how many years now? 30 plus years. What do you think? Well, is your favorite? I haven't What's been touring for 30 plus years. I've, I've been touring recently within the last 10. Okay. So what do you think is your favorite place that you enjoy going? Like it's always on your list. Anywhere in Florida with the exception of Jacksonville. Really? Uh, yeah. Because you know, Miami, Orlando, West Palm, Fort Lauderdale, Tampa, the, them women there dress like they don't like their fathers. Uh, so it's, it's wonderful, but Jackson is like the side bitch to those other cities. Really? Yeah. It's a little skanky. Not, not as, not as, not as, not as high profile. When, um, when you first started like doing comedy and, and you know, when you did the tours and everything and like, who did you open up for? Was there anybody that sticks out the most, like that you look forward to working with? No, I never really, and see again, and not, you know, I don't want this to come off. Uh, vain, but I just, my circumstance was so different because yeah. most people work the road religiously and eventually get on television. For me, it was the opposite. I got on television first and for eight straight years was a TV guy. Uh, so I would go out on the road when I could, but for half the year I was busy doing television. So I ended up going on the road towards the tail end of my 30 years as opposed to the beginning. So what do you always, what do you, what kind of advice do you give to people that are, that did, that took your path? What kind of advice do you give them? Um, you know, you got to stick with it, man. Um, I, you know, I know that sounds cliche or a little corny, but you know, this business will beat you up, uh, and it'll, it'll, it'll destroy your soul, your spirit, your mind. Uh, but you have to be able to just lay up against the ropes, cover up and take the rib shots. And no matter what happens, you just answer the bell. So I take it there's been times that it's knocked you down, but you've got up. Oh, are you kidding me? I stay on my ass more than I do my feet. It's rough, man. It's rough. What are, are the comics today, like, who, who are some that you enjoy listening to or watching on stage? Uh, I think Dave Chappelle is the GOAT, uh, oh, yeah, hands definitely. down. Uh, but right next to him, if this were a fucking relay race, he would, he would be a cunt hair away from being with Chappelle, the late, great Patrice O'Neill. Oh, uh, man, yeah. Who I thought was a fucking monster. Um, you know, uh, Bill Burr, I think, is fantastic. Uh, you know, those are some of the guys on my list. Yeah. 
You mentioned Patrice O'Neill, man. He was great when all the roasts and everything at Comedy Central. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'd never get enough. And I, even though I've heard practically every episode and I've, I've even repeated some episodes, you know, hearing him on Opie and Anthony was just priceless. So what's next for you, my friend? Well, before we even get to that, like one question I was told to ask you, man, Jerry Maguire, how was it being on something like that? Listen, man, it was, uh, it was a blessing and a curse. I'd never been in a movie of that magnitude at a time when a, with a guy who was, you know, undoubtedly the number one biggest movie star of all time. Uh, and that kind of budget, I mean, every day was like Christmas. Uh, and then to go from that to I've been in movies where the budget is, you know, a couple of uh, Outback Steakhouse coupons and $50. Uh, mm. So, you know, it's, it's a great experience. You know, when I did CSI Miami, Again, that's a show where the budget was ridiculous. For lunch, when they had Philly cheesesteak sandwiches, they actually flew in a chef from Philly with the meat from Philly to make Philly cheesesteak sandwiches. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. So what's next for you, my friend? You know, I know you're going to hopefully start touring, but any other projects or anything? Yeah, I got a couple of independent things in the works that I'm working on. Uh, so we'll see how that pans out. But for right now, between the stand-up in the podcast, which I'm really pushing hard, uh, that's that's uh, that's where my head is. Any uh, any uh, specials coming out? I know you had one recent a few years ago, but thinking about doing any other ones? Yeah, but I'll probably end up going the Louis C.K. route and trying to do it on my own somehow because uh, you know Netflix don't fuck with me. Really, really. Yeah. <clears throat> what uh, where would you where do you want to put it on? You think online streaming? I'm not sure. Uh, whatever's the best financial way to, for me to get more bang for my buck is how I probably have to attack it. But uh, I'm not sure yet. Mm. Uh, how can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, Facebook, Aries Spears. Instagram, Aries Spears. My Patreon page, Aries Spears. But I'm primarily on Instagram a lot. Mm. Aries, for the listeners real quick, can we get one impression out of you? Uh-oh, is this a request or just pick one? Just pick it. Pick one or two and just go with it. Uh, I'll give you Shaq. Uh, you know, I know basketball is back right now, and everybody knows the Lakers going to dominate. LeBron got to dominate. AD got to dominate. And when you're big and you're in the post, you got to dominate. And when I played in the game, I got 28-10. Those are always my numbers, 28-10. 28 points, 10 rebounds, got to dominate. That's awesome, man. What's what's the newest impression that you're working on? Um, nobody as of yet. I haven't seen anybody inspiring. Uh, uh, nobody as of yet, and I don't I don't ever want to force it. Um, I want it to be organic, and I want it to be natural and feel right. So uh, if it take me a while, it take me a while. Mm, there you go, Aries. This was fun. Uh, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, man. And again, uh, folks, please, it's free. Spears and Steinberg, the podcast. DM me on Instagram and I'll gladly send you the link. Talk shit with you and all of that good stuff. Thank you, brother, so much, man. That's a wrap. That's a wrap, everybody. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening to the Man Cave Chronicles podcast. I finally get my man cave. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at the MCC Podcast and our website, themccpodcast.com. Until next time. Thank you.